0: Hi, friends. Welcome to the Kansas City MomCast, a place to learn, connect, and grow in a relevant and intentional way. We're your hosts, Sarah and Megan. Join us as we interview experts in the field and hear from local moms just like you. This is a podcast for Kansas City Moms by Kansas City Moms. We know that your time is precious, and we're grateful you've chosen to spend some of it with us. Thank you for being a part of the Kansas City Mom Collective friends. Welcome back. Today we are talking about sibling relationships. Ironically, my mom actually just sent me a meme the other day that said, people with siblings have better survival skills because they've had experience in physical combat, psychological warfare, and sensing suspicious activity. And I'm not sure if that makes you laugh like it did for me, but if it did, then you are in the right place today. Today we have the pleasure of talking with Jennifer Jackson Rice, a licensed specialist clinical social worker at PCIT, which is Parent-Child Interaction Therapy of Kansas City, which is a private practice in town. She has experience working with children ages 2 to 18 and their families with a wide array of diagnoses and specializes in coaching parents to increase family cohesion and decrease conflictual, disruptive, and attention-seeking behaviors in the family system, which is as we all know, oftentimes involves sibling relationships. I'm so excited for this conversation today and hope you are too. Let's meet Jennifer. Before we get started on today's episode, we wanted to take a moment to say thank you so much to our episode sponsor, Price Chopper. Go ahead, fill your tank all the way up. You are a chopper shopper. Chopper Shopper rewards members can earn points towards discounted fuel at Quick Trip with every purchase at Price Chopper. Rather fill your shopping cart? Go ahead, do that instead. Chopper shoppers can also redeem their points for free items at Price Chopper. Become a chopper shopper today and start earning even more on food or fuel. Get started at MyPriceChopper.com. Hi Jennifer, welcome. Hello. Thanks Hello. so much for
1: having me today. Absolutely. I'm so excited to talk about this topic.
0: Oh gosh, we are too. And we have, um, I know many, many people that um, just talking to before we recorded this that were like, oh my gosh, we totally need a topic. We need a whole podcast on siblings, um, which this could probably be a multi-series, but um, we're excited to cover um, just some of the main Aspects and challenges when it comes to raising more than one kid in a home. So um, we're so grateful for your time and for you being here. Thank you so much. much Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So what are when you have families come in um, or parents, what are the most common struggles that you hear about from parents when it comes to sibling relationships?
1: Yeah, I really think it's, you know, that verbal conflict, that Mm -hmm. disagreeing, that arguing that then sometimes can lead towards aggression between, you know, hitting, shoving, maybe biting. You know, I think those are the primary concerns that parents come in and and want some assistance with.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, So. Off the air before this, we were, you and I were talking about um, how having a sibling relationship is actually a skill. So when our kids are struggling, what are the skills that are commonly missing?
1: Yeah, I tend to want to look at, you know, how well are our kids, you know, problem solving? Do they have the skill to compromise, um, be flexible in situations? How's their communication with each other? Can they express their needs, their wants? Um, And then also, is there empathy towards each other? Mm -hmm. Do they understand each other? So I really think we need to start with looking at, you know, is there a skill that maybe we could teach and model to for our child um, and, and kind of work around that, doing some great role playing. Um, I think we, we can't expect siblings and young kids to know how to get along. It's something yeah. that we grow kind of over their lifespan.
0: Yeah. And I think like so many things in parenting, I feel like I'm very guilty of just expecting. Y- you forget yeah. that along the way you learned a skill or you learned something. And it's, I think that's where a lot of our frustration comes from as parents is being like, well, you should just know how to do this, or you should just, you know, like, why can't you guys just get along? <laughs> like, just get right. along.
1: Right. <laughs> so, if only it was that easy. Right? I know. If I know. I know.
2: And it would fix it. Totally. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So learning that skill hits home with me because I'm the only child.
0: Um, yes.
2: And so navigating, I have four kids, three that can fight. Um, three, <laughs> three, three in three, the fight ring. Three one, fighters. Three fighters, <laughs> and one is an onlooker. Yes, learning. Babies in the watching audience. Watching carefully. Yeah. Um, so, how much fighting is normal?
1: Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> just
2: get right to it. Yeah, let's <laughs> right. let's, cut to the,
0: let's cut to the chase.
1: <laughs> right. Well, you know, it is normal for siblings to disagree. Um, that's just part of growing. It's part of again learning, right? Um, and anytime a system is living together, there can be issues, regardless of how strong their relationship is or isn't. It's just being Together and living together. You know, I think it's normal for kids to make verbal comments to another child. It's normal for kids to pull jokes on each other. Um, Those are very normal things that happen um, in a family system. And, you know, really, parents have the power to set the tone to that. They have the power to decide how much they're going to allow of those and how much they're going to intervene on.
2: And so when you talk about intervening, um I know I've heard lots of recommendations of, well, only intervene if there's like physical violence, um, violence happening mm-hmm. or somebody's getting hurt. Mm-hmm. But my kids are very skilled at words that hurt, you know, as they know each other's personalities and they can carefully place <laughs> their words just to like cut right to the heart, I feel like sometimes. And so when do you let that go and let them learn to work it out? And when do you step in and try to, you know, play the cop, Yeah. yeah.
1: Mediator. Yeah. And I love what you just said. You know, it's really getting to know your child, right? Because some families can can go with that and not intervene until physical aggression occurs. And some families can't. And I think as a family, you have to decide kind of what are you okay with? And allowing, and what are you not based on your own family systems, your own family values and morals? You know, I think we really want to, um, for sure, really kind of at times take a pause, slow down that process if we've stepped in because you know, there's high emotional intensity, and now they're screaming and yelling, maybe someone threw something at someone or got aggression, you know, we really need to bring that um, emotional intensity down before we can enter into conflict resolution. And so I always say, you know, the best thing to do is let's just take a break everyone go to their corners, you know, whether that's your bedroom, whether that's outside to maybe jump on a trampoline, right? The bike around a park. Like, let's take a break because we know that when emotional intensity is high, we're not going to be able to use any skills to problem solve that. So we like to slow it down just a little bit. Let everyone take a break and then come back in And one of the things to think about when we come back in is that parents aren't necessarily the referee. They are kind of more very um, much, I of course come from a parent-child interaction lens, Mm -hmm. which really talks about how we kind of allow a child to um, state what happened in their perspective. While we as adults just kind of repeat back what they're saying teaching the other child to be an active listener um and then you know we use labeled praise thanks for sharing me sharing with me your point of view thank you for listening to your sibling talk about that now let's swap and let's listen to what your sibling's point of view is or your sibling's thought on what just happened And then again, what are we doing? We're effective communicating. We're showing um, each other that we can listen to each other. And then as adults, as parents, we say, all right, guys, how should we solve this problem? When we as adults come in, as parents come in and offer that solution, we just shut that problem solving skill down, right? And that's one we want to work on. And so, you know, sometimes, obviously, we have to go back and forth on that. Okay, you think that's a solution. What do you think of that solution? How do you agree or disagree with that solution? And so I think, you know, um, this is where teaching skills come in. You are the teacher. You are laying the foundation early on for long-term gains, and so I think that's kind of the best, slow it down, <laughs> slow it down, let everyone get out of their emotional brain, and then come back together and really work on using the skills that it takes to resolve conflicts.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like one of our common issues is I have two very um, highly sensitive children, very intense, um, very expressive. Both. Both. And um when they are able to come back together to talk, a lot of times one wants space and the other one doesn't care. Like he just wants to be with her at any cost. <laughs> so yeah. it's like trying yeah. to like I don't know. It's it's so hard. Like I can't it even is. it yeah. is.
1: And sometimes that's where, and again, I'm going to reference parent-child interaction therapy because that's the treatment model we use in our clinic. But we use those kind of descriptors to describe, you know, your sister is still wanting space. I see your sister's walking away from you. I think she still needs some space. So really identifying what's going on? I see you want to resolve this right now. You're eager. You're wanting to discuss it. Like you're labeling what's going on within him or her. So she can kind of start figuring that out as well as then also letting the one eager to solve, (laughs) say, wait a minute, we have to respect that not all people are ready to compromise at the same time.
0: Yeah. Um okay this was Jennifer I'm throwing you for a loop because this was not on our not a <laughs> question we shared but it's like directly tied in do you have in PCIT what do you guys have any thoughts on apologizing because I feel like in the parenting world I don't know how Sarah feels about this right now but I feel like there's so many different messages about apologizing yeah. Um, it's yeah. like, you don't want to have a kid op- just apologize to go through the motions. You want them to actually feel it. So do you make your kid apologize to your other child or not?
1: Yeah. You know, yeah. And I think too, it's kind of apologizing for both because it doesn't take one person to fight. There's normally another reason. So when you're talking the conflict through, you know, being able to recognize, well, maybe I didn't tell him what I wanted. And so I'm sorry, I didn't really communicate well, while the other kid is going to apologize for maybe an action. I'm sorry, I hit you quickly. So it's not always that one has to apologize. Now, I do also love acts of services to repair relationships, right? Anytime that a relationship has been hurt, we repair that relationship. So sometimes I love, you know, if we think, you know, an apology doesn't have to be an I'm sorry. An apology can be, hey, you know, let's go ahead and go outside and play together. Or I know you really like to play with Legos, and so I'll play Legos with you. Um, So I want people to also think it doesn't have to be just an I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. It can be an act of service towards someone to repair what just occurred in that relationship.
0: Sure, sure. Okay, that's really helpful. Um, Okay, so... This is like one of this is probably my favorite question, just because I feel like this is something I personally stress about, even though it's a long ways away. How do you foster a sibling relationship with your kids that will hopefully um, last into adulthood, and is even? Hoping that our kids will remain close or be close—is that even a reasonable expectation or a hope? Or what? How do you answer yeah. that?
1: You know, I do think it's a hope of all of us parents, yes. right? I think we all think about that and maybe even worry about that a little yes. bit. And I, yes. I think that that is a very normal um, thing that we all go through as parents. You know, we need to be in relationship as a family. You know, we as parents are that that model. We are the ones modeling it, teaching it. So if we are engaged as a family, we're going to build that team building skill that they need. So I always recommend, you know, doing great activities and projects together, you know, board games. Oh, wow. Are those not building all those skills? We started this conversation about, oh, <laughs> um, Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think having board games. Board games start young. Like if we think about how young kids can play Candyland, you know, what are we teaching? All of those skills we, we started this conversation with. So board games are wonderful. Board games can start as young and go, clear, you know, as as teenagers, young adults into adulthood, you know, recently, my two older ones were home from spring break. And sure enough, we played games, right? Because we've done that for years. And that's what our family loves to do together. Um, I think cooking together, And, you know, one has to read a recipe. One has to listen and follow the directions of the sibling reading the recipe while the other one is measuring. I love that as a team building activity. Um, Young kids building forts together, getting all those blankets out. Think about team building there, getting along. You know, sometimes we want, you know, maybe we would get a Lego kit for both Every person has their own Lego kit, but probably better is put the Lego kit together because you're promoting siblings working together. Um, You're promoting. And so as a parent, then you're sitting there saying those skills we want to build. Awesome job letting your sister figure that piece out. Way to go talking that problem through. You two solve that together great teamwork you know so we're modeling right we're teaching those skills that start very young that then will we'll foster that relationship we all are hoping for as they become adults um you know i think even chores you know what about all of your children fold the laundry together
0: oh, that sounds um, lovely Wouldn't that
1: be great? You know, what about making a list of chores and they have to figure out who does what? I think sometimes it's easier for us to say, you dust, you vacuum, and you dump the trash. But what if we say to our kids, there's three things that need done today. I know you guys can figure out who's doing what. And then we're there, you know, oh, I hear you think you want to do dump the trash. How do you guys feel about that? Are you okay with that? right? Look at the skills we're teaching to foster that long-term relationship. It starts young. It starts young. I'm also a huge fan of families eating meals together. I am a huge fan of that. I believe so strongly in that relationship and that connection time. I think more than anything, that develops great communication and listening skills. If we can't communicate with each other, that's gonna be really hard to have a long term relationship. If we can't effectively listen to each other, and those patterns are developed very young to, to, to be fostered through. So, you know, I'm a huge, compo- I, I stress that a lot that families need to eat together. It starts young, and that will continue to set the stage
2: for as they get older.
0: That's really good. Thank you.
2: Um, So switching gears a bit, um, if you, like, I'm sure all of us do have kids with different personalities, different discipline um, strategies that maybe work for one kid but not another, um, how do you handle that and how do you explain to the others, you know, for example, I have a kid with ADHD, Mm -hmm. I handle, like, bringing things to school when he forgets (laughs) i handle him differently than if my you know other boy forgets things at school because i think they're capable of different things and i mean same applies other ways how do you explain that to everybody in the family of maybe this kid gets some grace here whereas this kid has higher expectations over here um how do you handle that in a family dynamic
1: yeah. You know, I like to um, say everybody is learning at different pace. Everything's, everybody's needs are different, right? And so one person may have accomplished something, um, organization. Like, you are really great at, you know, organizing everything. This is something we are still working on. And because it's a skill we're still working on, I am taking things to your brother at school. Um I I think you're already picking up. I'm a a huge, um, really looking at skills all the time. So everybody's developing at a different um, pace. Every person needs something different. Um, I don't have the best skill of technology, right? So I'm going to need to rely on someone to help me with that skill. And so I love to talk about, you know, everybody is working. You're working on this. Your brother's accomplished that. You're working on this. Your sister's accomplished that. Because, again, every one of us are at a different pace, a different speed. Everyone has different needs. None of us are built the same. Um, And so I tend to just work on, we're working on that right now. Look at your brother rocking that. Or we're going to point out every time we see him accomplish that. Um, and so that's how I tend to versus trying to communicate or say, Everything's equal because we know that's not true. <laughs> yeah, um, or even really putting a lot of explanation into it. We're working on it, and I'm helping him work on that.
0: Yeah. So if your kid is like, "Well, that's not fair," mm-hmm. your response is, "I would reflect, Oh, that Jennifer." <laughs> uh, yeah, I would
1: reflect <laughs> that. Reflect that. Back yeah, using yeah, that. You, PZAT you feel like, model.
0: yeah, like I hear, I hear you. You feel like it's not fair,
1: right? And I then explaining
0: you. kind of what you said about. Yeah, Helping I each hear- kid mm-hmm. work on the yeah. skill that they are currently yep. lacking in.
1: Yep. So you just validate, right? You show your child, I hear you. I see your concern, right? But we're supporting your sibling in the growth of that. And that's why it's different. Just like here's an example of how it's different for you. May- and maybe your sibling doesn't think that's fair.
2: I right, so piggybacking off of that, <laughs> how do you handle, and I think this leads into Megan's next question too, but I have kids that know what each other are working on and like to uh, help remind. Um, <laughs> so at what point, I mean, we always say, you know, hey, that's a mom and dad problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and I you know, there's that balance of giving them the skills to kind of work out and support each other. But that also, I think the dark side of that is criticizing each other. Right. Um, When do you kind of just say, it's a mom and dad problem, or, you know, I'm in charge of that. You need to, I guess, you know, be a kid. Yeah,
0: Yeah. stay in your lane.
2: Yeah, stay in your lane. (laughs)
1: Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and I think it comes when it's maybe, like you already said, criticism bullying, you know, when it's outside of what is normal expectation of a sibling relationship. You know, I think a lot of times we'll say, now watch out for your sister or your brother. Well, what does that mean? You know, (laughs) that's kind of a vague statement. A child probably doesn't know what watch out means, you know. And so I think we have to kind of set really good boundaries, right? Boundaries are something, we again, we teach. Um, So that's something that is appropriate for siblings and you know what that comment that's mom's job or that's dad's job we're going to manage that and so you're just redirecting keeping them in their lane and giving them a little bit of the rationale i think sometimes we make vague statements stay in your lane what does stay in your lane mean to a 9 year
0: old <laughs> to be clear because i promise i don't say that to my kids
1: but I want I to say it
0: to my yeah. kid.
1: Oh, I think we do. You know, yeah. I sure I've said that yeah. or even that's for mom. What's for mom? You know, and, and so, um, or, you know, and so I think sometimes, you know, we have to really think about. Does our kid understand, you know, we can go back to the general one of be safe. What does be safe mean? <laughs> right. Um, and, and so I think sometimes we have to think about is that statement, does our child understand their boundaries, their expectations within a relationship?
0: Yeah, that's really good. Oh. I'm just absorbing all of this, <laughs> absorbing all of this. Do you have any thoughts too on, you know, I don't know this, and this kind of does tie into what we just asked, but just expectations of the oldest child. And I feel like I personally identify, well, I do identify cause I am the oldest kid. I don't know. I feel like being the oldest kid is hard. Um, and I feel like I get a lot of feedback from my daughter of, you know, we're always helping the younger kid or we're, I don't know. Sometimes I just feel for her and I feel like my expectations for her are always too high. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That may not be a question. That's just a, that's just a a thought. It's
1: a, it's, it's a thought I, I agree with, too. You know, I think that our oldest are kind of paving our way as parenting. You know, it's kind of we are learning and growing as parents, too. And I think sometimes just being honest, just saying that, you know, letting saying that connecting with your child like, you know, sometimes I do feel that way, too. Um, or thanks for telling me how you're feeling or thanks for letting me know you don't want to take on that responsibility because you're the oldest right now Uh, um we're promoting great open communication there again what are we doing we're communicating effectively so we can solve that problem so then we're not building resentment as an older child that i have to be the one that always does that right
0: yeah yeah definitely um that's really good
2: well i think i'm always guilty of saying like but you're 11. I know. I know.
0: I know. Which I was saying when she was like three
2: (laughs) (laughs) years old.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's hard though. I don't know. It's yeah. I don't know. I just think the oldest kid is just a, it's a tricky one.
1: Um, But I think too, always also, you know, uh, making them feel like their role is important too. You know, when, when, you can praise that you can, you can really, um, point out so that they're noticing that you, they know you're noticing that, Hey, thanks for being super helpful this morning by helping me get your brother to the car. I mean, that goes a long ways. If you can acknowledge just this, just what they did, you know, I think, I think that can help and um, it can put them in a in a good you know um relationship as well.
2: What i've noticed with ours um as we approach like preteen years um it's easy i think when you have lots of children in your house to just like everybody has the same bedtime everybody yeah. is on the same schedule. Yeah. I mean that's just easier. Right. And so really like intentionally thinking through okay he is almost 12 it would be okay for him not to go to bed at 7 30. and so we will do like a movie night when he gets to watch like a you know movie that's more appropriate for him and not his siblings Mm -hmm. um and i've noticed him being more helpful because he kind of takes on that role because he's getting treated a little bit older
1: I love that point, you know, I think that we can say sometimes too, you know, because you're the oldest, you get to do this first. So it's not always, you know, there's both the positives of being the oldest and the things that are maybe a little bit more challenging with that
0: birth order. (laughs) Totally. That's really good.
2: Okay, so kind of thinking about summer and the timing of when this podcast will come out, um, (laughs) I feel like my number one thing I hear from moms is, oh, my gosh, they're just fighting so much. I can't take it anymore. Um, I'm always like, why didn't I enroll in more camps?
0: (laughs) Regrets. Summer regrets.
2: I will fork over any amount of money to get (laughs) these people out of my house. But looking at summer, like how do we set ourselves up for success when all these siblings are going to be together more than they're used to? Um, What would be some of your top tips?
1: Yeah. Mm, You know, it is, wow. Does summer's not produce so much organization and structure? (laughs) You know, it's a hard, it's hard to, you're now the event coordinator um, and your role is to keep your child fairly busy <laughs> because when you when you don't you know, I think when our children have idle time too much, that's sometimes when boredom sets in, boredom then produces picking on each other. And so, um, wow, it does take a lot of work and time to plan for some great um, summer routines. You know, I think that's probably the biggest thing is creating kind of a basic visual schedule for the day. And that schedule includes a balance of sibling time together, independent time, quiet time, chore time, outdoor time, you know, and I think a visual schedule allows a child to kind of know the expectations of the day. Um, It also helps, I think, as as caregivers, to be able to be like, okay, that's what this day looks like. And sometimes I think if we do maybe even a week or two weeks, just duplicate it again, you know, <laughs> um, and so we're not having to do a full summer of event coordinating. You know, maybe we just do a couple weeks and then just create it again. Um, I think it's a great reference point for parents to be like, "Hey, go look at the schedule." Okay, it's about eleven o'clock. What comes next? Let's look at the schedule, because if we think of a kid now being out of school, their school day is pretty scheduled. Most classrooms have a visual schedule Um, that teachers refer to. Older kids know, you know, middle schoolers from class to class, right? And so I think it can be helpful if they are um, somewhat of a balanced um, time where we have a little of everything going on. Um, I think that can help manage some of the chaos of summer.
0: Yeah. I love what you said about, The quiet time, that's something that, I mean, my kids this summer will be, you know, going on nine and six, which is crazy. Um, And we will still do it, you know, Um, just because I feel like you take into account your introverted kids, especially my oldest is very, very much introverted and she loves playing with her brother. But then I think a lot of problems come from the lack of alone time. So right. it's like you can kind of safeguard your your kids that need that more than another child maybe by just having that as part of their day every day. It's um, a great re-
1: reset, isn't it? I think yeah. we forget how the independent time, um, it's just kind of a reset to yeah. come back into relationship as a family and as
0: siblings. Definitely. Definitely. Sarah, you have anything Anything else? These are such great, such great um, tips and Things for us to ponder and try. So I'm going to do the chore. I already have a I like list. that.
2: The chore, oh, yeah. like, problem solving together. You guys figured this
0: out. Yeah. Here are the
2: things for the day.
0: I love mm-hmm. that. That's also a great summer thing, too.
2: Yeah. With, and with then you, you just go in. Time.
1: You just go in with your labeled praise or your behavioral descriptions and what yeah. the skill is that you're seeing. Excellent job communicating that. You know, you two are problem solving right now. I love how you um, were a team. Look at you both doing that active, you know, that chore together. So then we want to make sure as parents that we're pointing out that skill because that is reinforcing the likelihood that that skill will grow.
0: Definitely. That's so good. Well, with that being said, best of luck this summer, everyone. <laughs> yes, right? <laughs> Come back and listen to this podcast as many times as needed.
2: <laughs> Go see Jennifer.
0: oh my gosh Jennifer thank you so much for your time this was so helpful and um, I know that we'll have lots of moms out there that can relate to a lot of the things we talked about today so we will link to you and ways for people to get in touch with you um, for that added level of support and um, we just appreciate you being here today thank you so much it was great to have this conversation with you guys thanks so much Okay, so in closing, instead of doing our favorite things around Kansas City, we are going to do um, favorite board games. Um, Jennifer was talking about building those sibling relationship skills. A lot of ways um, can be done very easily through board games, which can also be explosive. So um, <laughs> proceed with caution. But we were going to share some of our favorite board games that we have done with our kids. So Sarah, what are um, what are some of like your staple board games in your guys' house?
2: So, my kids are 11, 8, and 7 currently okay. that can play board games. Um, yep. And so, I think it's taken us a while to get to a point where we had a game everybody could play yeah, and enjoyed because we don't really all enjoy Candyland. Yep.
0: Um, I sure But so, know.
2: our two go-tos for the whole family are Sketchy Tales, which is basically um, Telestrations, but it's a Disney version. Oh, that's fine. So, you're pick a character card, like say Sleeping Beauty, and then you pick an action card, say like jumping on a pillow. And so I would draw Sleeping Beauty jumping on a pillow, then I pass it to my friend who then writes in words what they see and then pass it on and they draw what was just written, kind of like a game of phone, it obviously changes. Okay. Um, And so we really enjoy that one leads to a lot of giggles yeah. And then we also like sequence, uh-huh. which was a new one for us, but, um, we play the adult version, but it's basically connect, connect five, I guess. Okay. Um, but my okay. seven-year-old can play it great. And my 11 year old is the one that asked for it for Christmas. So, oh, that's nice. And I, the adults, like I enjoy playing it. I and was going to say, play. you
0: don't hate it. So that's, good. I love it.
2: I love okay. it. And I totally would just play it with my husband randomly. So
0: okay. it's really fun. I like it yeah. Those are the best is when you find something that adults actually enjoy playing. Yes. Not that shoots and ladders isn't a grand time, but right. you know. Okay. <laughs> so our, probably two of our favorites are, um, my kids are sadly growing out of this. My five, five and a half year old still loves to play it. Sneaky snacky squirrel. It was like the number one game a few years ago. Yeah. We know um, that. Yep. Yep. You spend, spend the thing that your goal is to fill up your um, acorn tree. Very, very simple game. Um, and my daughter loved it. She's kind of over it now at eight and a half, but, um, that's a really good one. If you have little, little kids, it's a great one. Um, and our, one of our newer favorites is called sleeping Queens and it's a card game. And I love it because it has a lot of math in it that my eight year old can, can use. Um, but then my five and a half year old can still play it and just not do the math part kind of, kind of hard to explain if you aren't actually doing it, but, um, it has knights in it and, and dragons and sleeping potion and Queens and Kings. And they just think it's awesome. And it's very simple. I don't like games that take me five hours to read the instructions. I figured this one out very quickly and it's a great family one. Um, that would be good for all ages. And I also don't hate it. So there's the endorsement for, <laughs> for sleeping Queens. So, yep. And we would love to hear your guys's too.
2: Yeah, for sure. All right. Any announcements before we say goodbye? One more. Um, we have heard from our readers that they would like to meet other moms. Ooh, um, yeah. And so we are planning kind of a once a month, just a pop-up at a park. We'll have some kind of refreshment or treat. Oh, that's fun. Um, and so we'll go to parks and try to go all throughout the Metro. Um, but you can check out our Instagram and our Facebook events and figure out where we're popping up next and you just come bring your kids stay for 15 minutes stay for two hours Fine. but it'll just be at a park
0: so and good way to try try out new parks too
2: yes for sure
0: get out of your your normal bubble or schedule yeah awesome well we hope to see you guys at some of those that'll be really fun all right you guys thank you so much for being here as always and we will see you next time thanks so much bye bye another thank you to our episode sponsor price chopper go ahead fill up your tank and your cart you're a chopper shopper and chopper shoppers earn points towards towards discounted fuel at quick trip or free items at price chopper every time they shop get started today at mypricechopper.com
1: thank you again for
2: spending part of your day with us we would love for you to share this podcast with other Kansas City moms, as well as rate and review, as this helps others find us. We would also love to hear from you, whether it's to share what you loved about
1: today's episode,
2: an idea for a future topic, or just
0: to tell us how you're doing. We are here for you. You can email us anytime at kcncpodcast at gmail.com. See you next time on another episode of Kansas City MomCast.